0: Politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American Patriots and Minimans, standing at the ready to fight anew once again for our life, our liberty, and our property. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz, back here today for Wednesday, July 6th. And my question to you is do you even know what it's like to fight for liberty? Would you know or would you recognize if God actually gave us an opportunity to achieve that liberty? Would you fight for it? Would you take yes for an answer? What I'm referring to is those of you who have been with me from day one, uh, especially back in, what was it, 2015, 2016, when I wrote my book, Stolen Sovereignty, I warned that judicial supremacism was the biggest problem facing us, right? Basically, We have a divided country. Half the states are gone forever. The other half, we officially have a majority of the people who can make those states more in line with our founding values. But because the Republican Party is corrupt, we're not really actualizing that, but we can someday. We have a hope of fighting for that. But even if we get to the end of that finish line and successfully, at a political level, orient the values, the economies, the demographics... Uh, Of those states in accordance with our values, guess what? You have the federal courts waiting for you at the other end to so-called strike down everything you want to do. I never thought we'd live to see a time when Democrats and the left and the media are now yelping, no, the courts don't have the final say. Judicial supremacism is a myth. And our side wouldn't even take notice of what the left is doing, much less grab that olive branch. This is the perfect time to actually secure a true bipartisan agreement that could lead to national divorce. Which is, if the Democrats are yelping, that the courts are such a problem for them when there's this perception that we're entering an era of a permanent right-leaning majority on the Supreme Court, which is very much... Not true, elusive, a little bit more complex than than it appears, following up with what I said yesterday, you will never really benefit from the courts securing for you what you cannot do politically in the blue states. And we're finding that with the gun ruling. And even if you benefited a little bit, we all know, I know living in Maryland, we're going to have to move out. You're never going to be able to live in these places. So our best hope is to make red states red. The biggest obstacle is judicial supremacism. I'm telling you. The only reason we haven't seen it more is because Republicans are horrible and barely do anything good. But the few good things they do, I'm telling you the courts will go after. And we had yesterday, the red, the, not even red counties, some of them were blue in Texas at the border declaring an invasion, basically their intention to start deporting illegals. I'm just telling you, this stuff is going to be challenged by the courts, and they're going to win. We don't have anywhere near majority on the courts to have states enforce immigration law. Okay? I mean, Arizona is going to require proof of citizenship to vote, which is like, you know, a no-brainer. And DOJ announced that they're suing, and I'm telling you, they're going to win. They're going to win. What are we going to do about it? Instead, our side's the one that's like, oh, the courts have the final say. And now it's the left that's yelling that the courts don't have the final say. Take yes for an answer. Again, following up on yesterday's show, we here are playing chess, not checkers. And by the way, while we give you a 2020 vision, long-term vision on politics, well, your short and intermediate vision with your eyes if you are like me, who's um, irrevocably nearsighted, unless I get surgery, you need yourself some better spectacles. Uh, this is the only American company that is conservative, so it shares your values, and they're offering rodent stock eyewear, particularly the biometric intelligence glasses or big, which give you a seamlessly natural experience, works perfectly with your brain and gives you the sharpest vision at all distances, including up to 40% better at near and intermediate distance. Um, My wife and I have found that these are the best lenses we've ever had by far, so I want to share with you the blessing of Better Spectacles. Go to betterspectacles.com slash conservative. Um, You could do everything there. You could schedule teleoptical appointment. You don't even have to leave your home. And then, with an introductory 61% off their progressive eyewear plus free handcrafted Ronenstock frames. You will be in business with the great eyeglasses that will change your vision and therefore change your lives. So again, go to betterspectacles.com slash conservative. Now, okay, so what am I referring to? There is a remarkable Politico piece from Politico magazine. The title is something I could have written. How the founders intended to check the Supreme Court's power. Last December, during oral arguments in Dobbs v. Jackson, Women's Health, the case in which the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade, Justice Sonia Sotomayor noted, I, I actually forgot this. That quote, there's so much that's not in the Constitution, including the fact that we have the last word, that we, meaning the Supreme Court. Marbury versus Madison. There is not anything in the Constitution that says that the court, the Supreme Court, is the last word on what the Constitution means. It was totally novel at the time, and yet what the court did was reason from the structure of the Constitution, and that's what was intended. It was a remarkable observation. Sotomayor's primary intent was to argue that the rights and prerogatives need to not be explicitly delineated in the Constitution. Yada, yada. But but, um, neither does the Supreme Court's power of judicial review. It's an observation worth revisiting. After issuing a wave of hotly contested and in some cases deeply unpopular decisions, the Supreme Court has emerged in recent weeks as a formidable and perhaps the most formidable branch of the federal government. Six conservative justices enjoying life tenure on their bench, it sounds like me, except in reverse are fundamentally reshaping the very meaning of citizenship. This is literally my book. It's so funny. So they're lamenting this. Now obviously we we all laugh because the Dobbs opinion is saying that the Supreme Court doesn't have the final say. That's what it is. It's kicking it to the legislatures. It's Roe v. Wade that did that. It's, it's more the Bruin opinion, the gun opinion, that would say the blue states cannot regulate firearms which they shouldn't because it says it straight out in the Constitution. But nonetheless like I said yesterday, we're not benefiting from that Anyway, okay so you have the left yelping like hey who said judicial supremacism is a thing my point is awesome again what's the biggest thing we need the courts for right now that we have yet to properly uh, achieve politically certainly in the blue states but even a lot in the red states and, and and at the federal level covid fascism vaccine mandates things like that We only have three votes on that. We don't have six. We have three. Okay? So we're not benefiting anyway. But I'm the only one, the only one on the right who sees it this way. Liberal liberal critics of today's judicial activism are right when they note that the Supreme Court essentially arrogated to itself the right of judicial review. This literally is something I could have written. The right to declare legislative and executive actions unconstitutional. There's nothing in the Constitution that confers this power upon the only unelected branch of government. But it is equally true that many of the Constitution's framers and original proponents intended, or at least believed, that the court would enjoy that prerogative. See, they're not explaining it properly. It doesn't mean that the court can't render its opinion on a constitutional clause. It just means that the other branches have ample authority, powers, and ability to push back if they disagree with it. Um, You know, like anything else. So this is a pretty remarkable piece and it goes through some of the history, things I could have written myself. Um goes through all the quotes and you know they talk about some of the history of this. I'm not going to bore you with all the details. Um and they basically argue that Congress could do what I advocated in chapter six, chapter nine of my book, Stolen Sovereignty, which is jurisdiction stripping. Okay, that the entire jurisdiction of the courts, the structure of the courts are under Congress's authority. We should take away. Now, I don't know what they mean, abortion rights, because if you took away the ability of the courts to hear cases of abortion, that would mean what what's happening now, meaning the legislatures would deal with it. They're, they're acting a little bit bizarre. I mean, you could say like EPA rules aren't subject to their, their jurisdiction or something like that. I'm just saying it doesn't apply to abortion. I honestly think some of these liberals are that dumb that they don't even understand what they're saying. But my broader point is, amen, that's great. Hey, buddy, we in the blue states, you can do COVID fascism. You can do... Um, training mandates, you can do gun mandates, you're going to do it anyway. But what that means is we shake hands and say, any cultural issues, you can't take us to the federal courts in the red states. And believe me, I'm telling you, we are going to need this grand bargain. You would be stupid not to seize this opportunity. It would be short-sighted. To think, ha, 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 the left is is, is scared of a conservative Supreme Court. You'd be dumb. It's harming us. We saw that already with an immigration opinion. We saw that with transgenderism. With the bathrooms. Okay? We're seeing that all the time. The current Supreme Court, we do not have six votes. We don't have five votes on a lot of important issues. It's time we recognize that. Meaning you're never going to get the Democrats to agree to limit the power of the courts when, they're, when they feel that they're enjoying win after win. Now is actually the time to build long term. But again, in an era where the conservative movement is limited to nothing more than your next tweet and your next social media imagery, they can't think strategically. It drives me insane. It's the craziest thing. Republicans are, conservatives are defending judicial supremacism, and Democrats are lamenting it. Now, yes, Democrats are very hypocritical about it, and they're also not even applying it properly because they don't understand what the Dobbs opinion does and doesn't do. But the point is, we would be stupid not to take that deal. I am all about taking that grand bargain. And again, we would all be done not to do it. Now, today's sponsor, Raycon. What if I told you that you can get the best feeling wireless earbuds that allow you to totally unplug, stop being a transhuman zombie and constantly being in front of a screen, listen to this show, music, anything you you like, chill out without a screen with your Raycon wireless earbuds. They bring the best quality audio to you. But here's the thing, they do not charge the price of premium audio brands. Uh, first of all, it's the only thing that fits in my ears. I can't stand anything on my body. You know, that's why I don't wear like a a wristwatch. I hate things in my ears, but this it's like, you don't even notice it's there. They also have an awareness mode for when you need to listen to your surroundings. So you don't get knocked out on the street by the punks that were let out of prison with optimized gel tips for the fit for perfect fit. These earbuds are really, really comfortable. They don't budge. Um, they're better than my TV stuff that I use, which always, you know, I'm always fiddling with it. Anyway, Raycon offers eight hours of playtime, thirty-two hours of battery life, over forty-eight thousand five-star reviews from Raycon's everyday earbuds. Again, half the price of other premium brands. So right now, listeners of CR Podcast can get fifteen percent off their Raycon order at buyraycon.com/conservative. Again, that's buyraycon.com/conservative to save fifteen percent off. B-U-Y-R-A-Y-C-O-N dot com slash conservative. So what do I mean by the fact that we're going to need this? So yesterday, as you, you know, might have heard, Arizona is being challenged by the DOJ for requiring, you know, like citizens vote. Only citizens could vote. And it sounds absurd, but the courts have already ruled against Arizona last decade when it tried to implement that. In fact, every darn thing Arizona ever tried to do on illegal immigration and voting, which is a, a big part of why Arizona has turned purple, because they were prevented from stopping this stuff, the, the courts ruled against them. Okay? We're going to need this. We're going to need this for the entire illegal immigration issue. Obviously, finally, people are starting to come to my way of thinking. That states are going to have to downright start removing illegal aliens, which is always why it's important for people like myself to lay the marker down early and often, because there's always going to be a learning curve, and it's always going to take a certain amount of time before people's thick ears start listening to it. But I digress. My point is, when it comes to illegal immigration, every single thing we want to do is going to be knocked down. I'm, I'm resigned to the fact that half the country is the gulag. I live in Maryland, but the reason why I haven't moved is show me the place where you don't have the homosexual agenda, where you don't have crazy Islamic refugees and illegal aliens, where you don't have medical fascism, you have hospitals you can go to, doctors you can go to that are normal, where the education system is normal. Don't tell me you have a place. It doesn't exist. There are places where if we you know, keep up the pace, we'll, we'll, we'll get there eventually. There's a few places, not many, that are making some strides, but generally speaking, we are not there yet. We have a lot of work cut out for ourselves, but what's the point in trying to climb that hill if you know that commensurate with how many good things you do in those states, it will be taken to court, and I will tell you, most of that stuff will be thrown out, especially given the perception of Kavanaugh, and these people that they believe they're hanging by a thread, the legitimacy of the courts, they're going to go out of their way um, not to take up the appeals from the lower courts that, that so called strike down these laws. So this is just something I wanted wanted to continue from yesterday's show. We would all be pathetically stupid not to um, you know, not to take this olive branch. It is truly historic with Democrats talking about ju- uh, jurisdiction, jurisdiction stripping. Now, again, I think we might have to give on certain things, like, you know, you'd have to take some of the things out of the court that we want to be in the court, but I would, you would be stupid not to take that deal, and here's why. It's because of what I explained yesterday, that the benefits of a good ruling are never going to be as good as the bad rulings are bad, and that is because... The blue states politically are stronger than the red states are anyway, and they're going to do what they want. So anyway, if you want in the long run to enjoy the blessings of liberty, you're going to have to leave blue state America. So our only prerogative at this point is how to make red states red again. And on that account, the Supreme Court is a complete obstacle to any of that. So, folks, I just want to go on to a couple other issues here Um, in, in terms of just not understanding the issues that are important and and what matters. I, I felt I'd share with you a little bit of a story. I was called on Friday by Alex Bolton. He's a senior writer for TheHill.com. And, you know, typically I thought he was a little bit more knowledgeable. He's older. I've known him for a while. He used to come to me for quotes whenever you had these intra-Republican conservative movement battles to get a sense of, okay, what's the base thinking? Which, you know, it's a good idea to come to someone like me. And he comes with a pre canned story. He's like, okay, you know, all the revelations this week about the January 6th committee, the horrible things that Trump did, uh, how do you think that right this is going to harm his ability to win the primary and and he's like and, and and then the second half of that was you know how it helps all the republican senators running Rick Scott and Tom Cotton and all these republican senators that no one ever heard of and they're not going to get more than 1% of the vote and i said look alex like it sounds like you have a story you want to write already but if you're if you want an accurate opinion um, I, I said, look, yeah, you know, I'm not really a Trump fan, but if you want an accurate horse race analysis of what the right leaning base is thinking, I will tell you that, you know, it's just <laughs> they couldn't give a darn about this. No one in the country knows of Cassidy Hutchinson, really. And certainly the Republican primary voters aren't going to vote based on that. If anything, the more he's under attack, the more it endears him to the base. So it's not going to harm him. But I did say if you're looking for an angle of an opportunity, I said, look at some of the recent polling in New Hampshire and Iowa with DeSantis really creeping up on Trump. I said, to the extent it would harm him, it's not because people buy into the January 6th nonsense, especially among Republican voters. It's that... You know, it just reflects kind of, you know, too much liability for not enough gain from him, too much drama, and people want to move on and they feel like they're getting more with uh, less problems from a guy like DeSantis. Instead, he didn't quote anything from me because I didn't I, – and I gave him – you know, I'm very verbose. I give a lot of nice quotes, a lot of good things you could quote in the piece, didn't use the interview at all, and went along with this thing that Trump's in trouble in the primary – Okay, you would expect he'd say, because DeSantis is going to overtake him. Now, he mentioned DeSantis a little bit, but it's mainly like he he goes through the litany of all these potential Senate Republicans. And I said, I told him, I said, look, it's going to be an outsider, DeSantis or someone else that's new. And he's like, well, you don't think like Tom Cotton and Rick Scott? I'm like, what are you smoking? The Republican voters hate the GOP Senate. Um, I, I I said, They're more likely to vote for someone like an Elon Musk if he'd be eligible to run, who's more of a traditional lefty, but that's kind of seeing the light, than they would a Republican stuffed shirt senator. That's kind of what I told him. And he just totally didn't get it. It was bizarre. And you've even had polling show that the January 6th thing is the dead last issue. And I said, you know, this is all voters, but certainly Republican primary voters with medical freedom you know covid fascism the border inflation the economy the controlled demolition of of all goods and services all this stuff they're going to care about a lot more but the importance is not it's not so much Alex Bolton that matters he's one reporter what matters is that this is what directs the attention of the elected republicans you have fifteen, twenty Capitol Hill correspondents that obsess about the most random things no one cares about, but it's a push-pull because it forces Republicans to start caring about things that they would never care about. Just really weird. But anyway, if we would actually focus on what does matter, the sky's the limit in terms of what we can do. I wanted to... P- point your attention to where is this there's a poll out from Pew that maybe it was a couple days ago by a margin of 60 to 38% voters believe that a person's gender is immutable from the time of birth 38% believe otherwise now you might say that's a reason for lament how in the world do 38% of people buy into that? But then I'll tell you that they note five years ago, those numbers, rather, so in other words, rather than a 22-point spread, it was just a 10-point spread, 54-44. <laughs> so in other words, it works magic, it works wonders when you actually start fighting back against an issue. And I feel like this is the first time in a generation we fought the culture wars. And it shows. It shows. You, you make a clear articulation of an opinion, the grooming issue and everything, and it shows. There's so much more we can do that, do on that. Bathroom bills, banning grooming, criminalizing grooming, not just from the education system, but all of society. But again, I'm telling you, we don't have, six, we don't have five votes. We already have the Bostock opinion, Gorsuch of all people, codifying it into Title uh, Title 7 anti-discrimination law. We have major issues with that. Major, major issues. But this is a classic example of how if you leave it up to the political realm and you don't have judicial tampering, and we would actually fight for it, we would win on this issue, and we would start to push the Overton window back the other way some of it is help from the left because of their overreach that's certainly true um but a lot of it is also getting on the playing field getting on the playing field and by the way there's another poll and i can't find it here it's in my uh little stack but i don't have it here basically There's this big organization that polled the entire world on their feelings about democracy, the trends in democracy, COVID and everything. And by a margin of two to one, Americans felt the government infringed upon democratic rights too much during COVID. That is a huge opportunity to accomplish so much on medical freedom. And, And I'm going to be coming out with later this year a project on how to make sure we never forget that and we fight on in a list of ideas that absolutely need to be implemented before we lose our freedom forever. Our medical freedom forever. And this is very scary, talking about medical freedom. There's an article out of Australia, news.com.au, big website, and it's not so earth-shattering because it's uniqueness, it's because... This is happening in every Western country, all over the place. And it is literally crushing the ability of doctors to practice medicine and by extension the ability to cure people, to heal people, to research, to get to the bottom of all the vaccine injury. This is the ultimate right to life issue. An award-winning Australian musician who was left partially paralyzed claims he was told privately by five doctors, this is Australia, that it was almost certainly a reaction to the Moderna vaccine, but they would not put it in writing out of fear of being deregistered. Tyson Illingworth, who shot to fame at age 17 after being signed by Armin von Buren's uh, Armada label, says he is still in constant pain, taking daily medications and injections more than six months after being hospitalized and going through rehab to learn to use his hands and feet again the 35 year old was forced to take six months off touring and says his life was torn apart emotionally um, both by his injury and the alleged refusal of doctors to officially acknowledge what they told him in private i was in hospital for quite some time doing rehab learning to use my hands and feet again walking between traffic cones i understand rare side effects might happen i was unlucky but why I have five different doctors all said to me, I know what this is, it's a vaccine reaction, there's no other explanation, but I can't say anything because I'll get deregistered. The body overseeing Australia's 800,000 registered practitioners and 193,000 students last year warned that anyone who sought to undermine the national COVID vaccine rollout could face deregistration or even prosecution. So folks, you might think, oh, well, this is, this is Australia. But this is happening in America, and this is happening in blue states. We still have the Texas Medical Board going after doctors who didn't wear masks, going after all the doctors that treat patients, prescribe um, FDA-approved drugs. It is truly unreal. This is still happening. You cannot imagine the degree of human suffering that has taken place because we refuse to recognize the injury and therefore cannot diagnose, study, and learn how to tr- properly treat it. All these people dying suddenly of everything known to man. Okay, this is not a conspiracy. This is out in the open. Every corner of the globe, every news agency has now reported on young people suddenly dying at unprecedented rates. That's, that's now a fact. Strokes, heart attacks, blood clots... Imagine if we would have been since, you know, we, we had the warning signals at least a year ago, certainly stopping the mass uh, genocide, but at least beginning to study the injuries. But we are nowhere closer a year later. I, I find that remarkable. If anything, we're farther away because no one wants to talk about COVID anymore. And the problem is it's kind of a mixed blessing. The polling shows that it's like it polls at 1%. No one cares about COVID anymore. So it's a good thing in the sense that the fear has gone away. It's a bad thing that the genocide is continuing. We still need answers about how to treat this because it's still going on. The viral immune escape is still going on. The vaccination needs to be stopped. The mandates still need to be stopped the, the, the bioweapons need to be stopped there's no desire to understand how this thing came into place and people are dying unprecedented and it's amazing how they'll cover it up this is a news, news edit of Calgary News CTV News deaths with unknown causes now Alberta's top killer think about that Alberta is reporting an unprecedented increase in ill-defined and unknown causes of death in 2021. Notice that they don't say 2020. Okay? So they're saying it's not COVID, it's not dementia, which was the leading cause until recently. In 2021, ill-defined and unknown causes of death snagged the first spot with 3,362 up from 1464 in 2020 and 522 the year before that according to statistics from the government of Alberta. You hear that? Three-fold increase from last year. That is unbelievable. That is unbelievable. And so now they're saying, see, they're trying to blame it on delayed access to health care. So finally, now it's okay to talk about the lockdowns in order to save the shots. But the reality is the timing coincides with the vaccine take-up of all this stuff. We all agree that there would be a rolling, you know, excess deaths to a certain extent over 10 years from the miscare. Um, They, of course, try to blame it on COVID. They have a higher risk of heart disease, stroke, pulmonary embolism, and death compared to those who haven't been affected. But again, the timing is the big issue. Also, when when you die of those things from COVID, you don't die suddenly. That's more because of what the embalmers are seeing in the bodies. So, um, you know, th- this whole thing's insane. And then they had the nerve to actually mention Make sure to get your shots in the piece. So, again, this is a degree of idolatry that you could never, ever quantify. Never. But in big news, we do have the Austrian Minister of Health finally admitting there's problems. This is from an English translation of the Woken Blick. In Austria, the massive harm done to human life and health done by the COVID vaccines has resulted in the Austrian Minister of Health shifting responsibility to doctors who betrayed their medical responsibility to inform patients of the risk of vaccine. Of course, had doctors done so, they would have been punished for spreading misinformation. It was the Austrian government that tried to mandate course of vaccination of the other, every Austrian. In truth, the COVID pandemic was an exercise in massive disinformation by health authorities, aka marketing agents for big pharma, incompetent mindless politicians and a whore media that lied through its teeth. Um, And that's a big deal that we already have a health minister doing that. But in America, nothing. Name me the Republican politician, aside from Ron Johnson, who's even raising questions about this. Certainly not Mr. Trump, who wants to be the standard bearer once again. utterly uh, utterly pathetic and by the way where is Fauci you know he was diagnosed with COVID what is it like three and a half almost four weeks ago where is he kind of interesting I don't know let me know let me know when uh you find him where's Waldo but uh it's been it's been a while Another interesting thing I've noticed is we're at 38 million people in this country who got one dose but didn't get two doses. And as I've said before, that's not because of, oh, they're just in the process. Because over time, that gap would close. Instead, over time, the gap increased. If you do an analysis on it from the beginning, it makes no sense because – we had the frantic take up at different times last year both when it became available and then when it when there were mandates but in recent months with the slowdown you would have expect you know cuz even to the extent that there's more shots it's boosters but in other words the, the 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 number of new individuals getting into dose 2 category both dose 1 and dose 2 is extremely limited because by now Certainly, if you didn't get the, sh- the original full uh, you know, regimen, you certainly wouldn't want to get it now. And if you are mandated to get it, almost always you would have been mandated by now. So why would you get it? So the point is, anyone who voluntarily got dose one, there would be very few um, you know, being forced to get dose two. So in other words, what I'm trying to say is you would have the people that are in the process catch up. Now, the last couple of months is when you would have seen the catch up. See, before you could have said there's constantly new people going into the pipeline with dose one and getting dose two that it equals out. But now that's slow to a trickle. And yet the gap has stayed the same. It's at 38 million. And I think that is a huge sign of people that got wiped out from dose 1 doesn't necessarily mean they all got like debilitating or very serious, you know, blood clotting and things like that and paralysis but at a minimum it means a lot of people experienced you know at least like flu-like symptoms from it they're like what the heck I'm not getting another one and remember dose 1 tends to be I think every every study has shown this um less injury and less side effects than dose two. So that's a very, very important observation. Someone needs to really look into that. Another important thing on the COVID front, there's an Israeli study out today published in the Journal of Clinical Medicine. Um, and where is this? 196,000 cases were studied, 590,000 in control group, of myocarditis in those who had the virus but didn't have the shots. So the big talking point until now has been, well, okay, there's some risk of myocarditis, but there's also a risk of myocarditis for those who got the virus. And in fact, it might even be more, right? We've all heard that talking point. So they actually, this is a massive, massive sample size study in Israel, first of its kind, to study those who didn't get the shots, but they did get the virus. And they found the incidence, the, the title of the thing, if you want to look it up, The incidence of Myocarditis and Pericarditis in Post-COVID-19 Unvaccinated Patients, um, our data suggests that there is no increase in the incidence of myocarditis and pericarditis in COVID-recovered patients compared to uninfected matched controls. So that was a myth. That whole thing was a myth. Again, there's people that who die from COVID that have, you know, their organ failure, including the heart, but the specific ailment of myocarditis in those who r- recover from COVID, that's not really being seen. If anything, if I remember looking at the number pericarditis, it was actually lower in the COVID group. I mean, not, not statistically significant, but the point is, um, obviously, it was always a specious argument in the first place because th- it doesn't prevent you from getting COVID. <laughs> it, it absolutely doesn't. And now we see it doesn't stop the symptoms either. So, this is all nonsense. This is all utter nonsense. Now we know this whole thing was a lie. But again, I get deplatformed. No matter how right we are, doesn't matter. The other side, they could say as many lies as they want. And that's the world we live in. That is certainly the world we live in. Um, One other thing I just wanted to point out to you guys on COVID. This from Josh Gutzko, his substack. Springtime for stillbirths in Germany. We talked about the birth rate seems to have gone down the first quarter. But Josh, who's great at FOIAs, he FOIA data on stillbirths in Germany from, who did this? Professor Christoph Kubander Bondner. and they look at the monthly percentage change in stillbursts in 2021 to 2022 compared to the monthly average from 2019 to 2020. And that's a good time because you'll, you'll, you'll see that if COVID itself caused any of the problems, well, you would see it. And it is truly a sight to behold. He has the charts here. I wish I could show to you, show you but, but look it up. And it is, it is huge. Huge. Um, you're talking about especially in twenty twenty two, much more so than twenty twenty one, spiking to twenty twenty-five percent above the baseline in stillbirths. And again, that matches the birth rates in general. We're seeing lower birth rates. So this is insane. By the way, you also noted that if you looked from 2021 to 2022, changes in USA birth rates by state, he has it all on a chart. Okay? If you look at the month of April, almost every single state is in negative territory. Almost every state is in negative territory. And it seems to be getting worse every month. So, again, this is something we're going to have to watch very, very carefully. Now, before I go on, I just want to play for you a clip that I don't think I've ever played before. Um, I meant to do it, and then I thought I did, so I didn't play it, and maybe you've heard it. But Jeffrey Sachs, I mean, this is like the big economist worldwide, Harvard professor at very young age, He, This guy would know. I mean, this guy travels in those elite circles, whatever you want to call the governing elites, the masters of the universe, as uh, Jeff Sessions used to say. He's one of them. He's in the top tier. There's a remarkable clip from him when he talks about how he was the head of the Lancet Commission uh, investigating the origins of COVID. Take a listen to this minute clip that is simply remarkable. Control. I'll add one provocative statement. We could take it up later. It may shock you or not shock you, or you may say, I already know that, Professor Sachs. But I chaired the commission for the Lancet for two years on COVID. I'm pretty convinced it came out of U.S. lab biotechnology, not out of nature. Just to mention, after two years of intensive work on this. So it's a blunder, in my view, of biotech not an accident of a natural spillover, we don't know for sure. I should be absolutely clear, but there's enough evidence that it should be looked into, and it's not being investigated, not in the United States, not anywhere, and I think for real reasons that they don't want to look underneath the uh, uh, underneath the uh, the rug. So folks, you hear that You hear that. This is the biggest question in the entire world today. As we have monkeypox and all these new things, we know it wasn't natural. Everyone's like, oh, it's Wuhan. And I'm like, who says? This is too convenient to have been just Wuhan with no American involvement. And he's like, came out of an American lab. Now, I don't know if that means it was Formulated in Ralph Barrick's lab in UNC Chapel Hill, um, and the actual release was Wuhan, or who know who knows. But the fact that there is no interest in investigating that is is the biggest story of all. You know, the National Pulse has a new article out. They've done great work on this. Peter Daszak, who's likely the guy behind this, um, funding it. You know, EcoHealth Alliance. So this is a guy who isolated the MERS virus strains in Russia using funds from the Russian government in a recently published research paper. Daszak appeared to play a critical role in the origins of COVID as the organization, Eagle Health Alliance, facilitated a longtime joint research effort with the Wuhan Institute of Virology, which is believed to be the source of the virus. Throughout the pandemic, Daszak also featured prominently in promoting the natural origins theory. Okay. His latest study appears to be yet another controversy. Daszak, who is originally British, is listed as the sole US researcher on the paper. Okay. What's the title? Identification and Genetic Characterization of MERS-related coronavirus Isolated from Nas- Nastusius Pipstrel near Ze- Zevengerod, somewhere near Moscow. The paper was published on June 10th. Just a month ago, and counted an additional eleven Russian researchers from Kremlin run facilities, including the Federal Services on Consumers Rights Protection, Human Wellbeing and Surveillance and Moscow State University. The study was funded by the Russian Foundation for Basic Research, the national science funding body of the Russian government. They conducted analysis of bat viromes, which have been used to identify novel viruses and potential to cause with potential to cause human infection. Okay, they sequenced and assembled the complete genome of a novel MERS-related beta coronavirus um, from this Russian strain. And evidently this was carried out in 2015. That was around the era that we know that this stuff was created. Appearing to use similar tactics as researchers at the Wuhan Institute, the Russian scientists in DASIK focused on the spike protein. The spike protein allows the viruses to penetrate host cells and cause infection and is believed to have been manipulated by researchers in Wuhan to become more lethal to humans. So, folks, first they lied and said it was natural, which we knew it wasn't. But now most people know it's not natural, but they think it's Wuhan. Oh, it's the Chinese. Like, it may as well be natural because what are you going to do about the Chinese? This is a U.S. virus. And Wuhan ain't the only place we were screwing around with. Russia, Ukraine, Georgia, Africa, who knows where? Where is the promise of the GOP to completely audit everywhere we're doing gain-of-function, find out who's behind it, who's responsible, ban all of that, defund all of it, and bring criminal charges to those that committed these acts of terror? I don't understand this desire to move on, We're not going to move on from this. Because there's nothing to move on from. That's the reality. There is nothing to move on from. Now, I was about to have on Don McLaughlin, the Uvalde mayor, to discuss the border invasion. But he's, uh, looks like he's tied up today. We're also obviously going to talk a little bit about what he knows about the school shooting. So we'll have to push that off another day. But just... Getting back to our original discussion about judicial supremacism uh, blocking and impeding our only ability to fight illegal immigration, there's an article I want to read to you here from KERA News in North Texas, confident they have jobs migrants risk their lives to reach the U.S. Along this stretch of the border, the dangers for migrants are on display every step of the way, from rugged terrain to rushing water, Border Patrol agent Orlando Marrero drives along the edge of El Paso County just after dawn in an area where some people trek through Mount Cristo Rey walking Rocky Pass under the cover of darkness. Talks about the dangers of it, obviously. During the day, the baking heat often hits triple digits. They can make even a twisted ankle deadly. And they note all the injuries that they're finding in the desert and everything. Some trying to climb the fence and they fall. The El Paso area alone, University Medical Center of El Paso, has treated at about a border wall injury a day or two. You know, it's interesting that we were told that Americans had to be shut down to alleviate a potential burden on the hospitals, yet they will not shut down bogus asylum and say, look, if you come here, you're going to be sent back because that's why they're risking their lives to do it. No, that's okay. Think about that. A complete inversion of, really, the entire social compact. So they talk about all the deaths. But they note that why are they coming to earn money? Okay, they always have jobs lined up. A man from Durango, Mexico, who also did not want to give his name, says he was trying to join his wife and son in California, had a construction job lined up. So, folks, red states could end this tomorrow. They could end this tomorrow by simply making it fully illegal to hire. Done. And clamping down on that. You close, everyone always knew this, you close up the job, magnet, it's over. Now, they might go to red states, blue states, but I'm fine with that. I mean, ideally, it wouldn't be the case, but... You know, we have worse things to worry about in the blue states. The native liberals are even a bigger problem than the, than the illegals. But I'm just telling you, you know that anything and everything that we will try to get done under the guise of dealing with this is going to be a big problem. So once again, I am the only one that is saying this. And I'm the only one who's going to continue saying this. But the reality is that we would be stupid not to help the left delegitimize so-called the power of the Supreme Court rather than saying, oh, it's terrible, the things they're saying about the Supreme Court. Really? Like, that's stupid. I'm sorry. One other point I wanted to get out today, NATO, Ukraine. Marjorie Taylor Greene was out there, the only one calling a spade a spade. I said we should pull out of NATO. It's not in the interest of Americans. It's not in the interest of our country. It doesn't protect our border. It used up a lot of our money, use up a lot of our military, it does nothing for our country. They're a bunch of communist dogs. Why are we in it? It's these baby boomer, so-called conservative talk show hosts that have so much nostalgia on the past not realizing that things have changed. NATO is no longer a force for good. It is a force for transhuman communism, COVID fascism, world economic forum. The This is the type of bold platform we need to run on. And again, this is how you move the Overton window over. This is from CQ Politics. I want to read to you guys just the fact that No matter how bad things get there, just like COVID, they double down on the very thing causing the problem. As President Joe Biden prepared to depart Europe at the conclusion of the NATO summit, he reiterated that Americans should be prepared to support Ukraine for as long as it takes. Biden's European travels, which took him first to Germany for a gathering of the leaders of the G7 democracies, was followed in Spain by a larger huddle with NATO member states and other allies, including Japan, South Korea. The most consequential development out of either summit may prove to be the arrangement between Turkey, Finland and Sweden that has led to the two Nordic countries being formally invited to join NATO that puts the Alliance on Russia's freaking doorstep. Biden said he would be announcing another 800 million tranche of weapon systems and other assistance to Ukraine. Um, He made commitments to expand American force posture throughout Europe Including basing two additional Navy destroyers at Rota, Spain, a new permanent headquarters for US Army in Poland. So, 53 billion isn't enough. The US is rallying the world to stand with Ukraine. Allies and partners around the globe are making significant contributions. And Republicans have no criticism of this. So, he's sitting and dumping more money into what everyone, the New York Times, recognizes is a failed effort and you're just going to antagonize russia even more by putting our necks out for everyone that hates us the european communists not america and republicans say hey how high should we jump how much more money should we give them this is what i'm telling you everyone is off message they're not fighting on fighting on the right things and by the way it's like money doesn't matter Every Republican's like, look at this inflation, it's terrible. They voted for all this. Did you know that it took the U.S. 215 years to accrue $7 trillion in debt? Okay, we didn't reach $7 trillion in debt until the early 2000s. Yet we managed to accrue $7 trillion in debt since March 2020 because of COVID fascism. And that's all Republicans. And, and by the way... Just so you understand, everyone knows the reason we've been able to get away with this until now is because interest rates were near zero. So we were only spending 200 million a year on on interest and debt, and then eventually went up to 400 million. You understand that if it would just go up to 5% interest, okay, not the 10% of the Volcker era that we everyone thinks we need to do in order to start making progress against inflation. 5%. That would put us at about 1.2 trillion a year just in paying the interest in debt. That would make interest on the debt the number one, number one expenditure, meaning greater than Social Security or Medicare or even the military. Okay, so those days are over with when the debt was just a talking point. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna have the debt bomb, who cares? It's going to happen, so what? Those days are over with. All because we have a party and a movement that to this day fights on the wrong issues in the wrong way at the wrong time. But folks, we are going to keep ourselves focused. Again, I'm sorry, I was going to have a terrific guest. I was going to have the Uvalde mayor on today, but he's traveling, so we'll get him another day. Um, We'll have some other guests on this week as well. Send me your comments, questions, concerns. At Startmail, Daniel Horowitz at Startmail.com. Uh, you could also find me on getter, Daniel underscore Harwitz, Dan Horowitz fan at Twitter. Um, let's see where else we're with COVID truth bombs on Telegram. And I'm trying I'm just trying to get the hang of some of this stuff. Looks like Berenson has been restated to Twitter. Who knows? We'll see what happens there. Anyway, um one other public service announcement is there's actually a paper out that nitazoxanide could help against monkeypox. Okay, so again, if you wanna to go to sevencells.com, promo code Daniel, you can see their different options. They have a tab for infections. They don't make it conspicuous on the front page, so you have to look through their tabs for good reason so they don't get hit, so that's still there. Folks, we are over the target. As Voltaire said, it is dangerous to be right. It matters where established men are wrong. Okay? And they will tell you who they fear and who they feel are in the right. It's this program. It's our message. It's this audience. Let's expand it. Let's keep this going until tomorrow. God bless you all. And thank you for listening.